I felt since I was a little kid that there's so much beauty in the world, mm-hmm. in dance, in art, in food, in connection, in nature. And I guess like my very, very core mission in the very like heart of myself, it's like to connect with that personally and to help other people do that too. conversations about the work behind the work with diverse artists from all over the globe. My name is Ruby Josephine Smith, and not only am I the creator and host of this podcast, I am a choreographer and contemporary dance artist. This is a podcast in process about process. I am not only fascinated by the creative process itself, but how to have better and more meaningful conversations about it with artists of different cultures, backgrounds, and mediums. Join me in digging deep into what it is that drives a person to make art. Hello and welcome back, or welcome if you are new here. I have to say, before I dive in, it is so interesting to speak with artists this year especially, between 2020 and 2021, in the midst of so much global turmoil. I've always said I want these conversations to have an element of being timeless in the way they explore process, and even though our current context is quite specific and bizarre, I've found that the wisdom that comes out of it, this kind of new need to slow down within the pandemic and all that comes with it, will hopefully serve us all moving forward in order to be more thoughtful about our own processes. I say that partly because today we definitely do touch on the strangeness of our times and how we navigate and connect as creative people within that, especially when navigating a certain weird, wild terrain that is social media. However, before I introduce my guest artist for this episode, I just wanted to mention that you might have heard me speak about buying me a coffee at the end of each episode if you've listened before, and I am happy to announce that I have now expanded this platform so that you can now become a sustaining member of this podcast. So by signing up to be a member on my Buy Me a Coffee page, you are helping to sustain the work I put into this podcast as well as keep it ad-free. In return, each month you will receive two yoga flow classes led by myself to help spark creative movement, as well as a solo podcast mini-sode at the end of each month, digging a little deeper into personal questions and answers about life as an artist. To subscribe and keep me in coffee and creativity on a monthly basis, go to buymeacoffee.com slash Thanks for your support. Let me now officially introduce the amazing woman I am speaking with today, Olaya Land. Olaya and I have been what you could call internet friends for a while now. We met several years ago when we both had food blogs. Hers was called Millie's Kitchen, and I always loved the way it tied together food, family, and community connection, travel, and truly stunning photography. Neither of us run our food blogs anymore, but food, creativity, and connection continue to be threads running through all of Olaya's work. So Olaya Land is based in Seattle and is now the founder and editor of Lioness, an online journal and community promoting connection, confidence, sisterhood, and self-love. She leads retreats all over the world that help women feel more empowered and connect to their creativity, and is also a photographer who loves searching out the poetry in everyday forms. You can learn more about her work at www.wearelioness, that's E-S-S-E at the end, dot com. In this conversation, I mentioned to her that we often in these talks get into very intangible subject matter, and even though we do go there near the end, I also wanted to ground this conversation in more practical wisdom and advice, because I have always seen Olaya as someone who uses her skills and online presence in such an authentic, generous way. We really get into how to use social media as a creative person to create community and how to overcome fears of things that might sound silly but are just within human nature, such as being not liked enough, literally, if we're you know talking about Instagram, and also being vulnerable. We talk about the parallels between food and art in terms of connection and also in terms of o- overcoming elitism in both worlds. We also discuss the definitions of big concepts such as toxic positivity, beauty, and what it means to live fierce, as the motto for Lioness states. 
Olaya is just a fountain of stories, passion, and unapologetic self-truth, and it was such a joy to speak with her. I'm already integrating so much of the advice she gives into my own daily practices. So without further introduction, here is my conversation with Olaya Land. Olaya, welcome to Process Peace. I am really happy to be talking with you today. Oh, I'm excited. I'm so excited to be here. I love your work and I'm really excited to finally like get to have like a face-to-face conversation. <laughs> I know, me too. Thank you. I love your work too and I can't wait to hear even more about the process behind it. Um, but before getting into that, I always like to go back um, into your past a little bit more and ask what your first memory is of creating something. Oh, I have a couple. Like I was a very creative kid I was always making stuff so like I liked to do a lot of stuff with textiles so my grandma taught me to crochet and I used to always be like crocheting like blankets and um you're probably too young to remember cabbage patch kids but I do remember them (laughs) but I was still around (laughs) okay all right I had all these cabbage patch kids and I would like um crochet them like sleeping bags and beanies and booties And then I also used to, and I like to sew. So I would just like go through Mm -hmm. my grandma's like scraps of whatever from her sewing projects and just sew various like clothing from my dolls. Yeah, I was always doing Mm -hmm. something and I loved to draw and I was always like outside like making, like I used to lead these like imaginary cooking shows before like cooking shows were a thing. I would be like outside, I have a distinct memory of being like outside (laughs) making these like mud pies in the yard with like those tin (laughs) pie plates left over and like just like, Uh so and now we're going to add the chocolate filling. That was me as a kid. That makes so much sense. And it already parallels what you do now so well. (laughs) You you wear so many hats and do so much kind of curation and crafting and food. And so it, yeah, that's amazing. I think it's so funny, but I kind of think that like who you are is in there. Like when everybody I know who I've known since they were little, of Mm -hmm. course they've like grown and changed, but that like seed of who they are and what they're into and their interests is the same which I think is kind of amazing and cool. It is pretty amazing. So did those creative threads kind of continue through your growing up? Yes. I mean, I always, I love to make things. Like I always like, Mm -hmm. so I crocheted when I was little and drew and like cooked with my grandmother. And then I've always been into, and then I taught myself to knit when I was living in Brussels Mm -hmm. in my 20s. And I've knit ever since I love to knit. I find it really meditative. And I took up photography, but there was a period kind of when I was in college where I was like more academic. I studied French and art history. And then I worked at the Met Met Museum in New York. So it was still though, like being surrounded by art and beauty and creativity that has always been super important to me. And then when I have the time, I love making stuff. Like I love like restoring furniture or knitting or, and then I got into photography, which is like my passion. I love photography. Amazing. Is that, would you still say that's kind of your number one passions? Yes, though, in this pandemic, I haven't, I picked up my camera a little bit over the summer, but I found it that's actually been part of the struggle of the pandemic is I found it very hard to get creative. Yeah, in that way, like I've been doing with Lioness in the journal, I've been like curating a lot of other people's work and doing a little bit of writing, but really feeling inspired to go out and create has been a big challenge this it's year. It's <laughs> hard. And it's hard when you're so limited in what to photograph. I think I think it's more the challenge of like finding something inspiring or looking with fresh eyes on what's all around you. And I found mm-hmm. that very challenging lately. Like I'm so sick of my neighborhood. I'm so sick of, you know, like we're here yeah. in Seattle, like we're pretty close down and we've kind of gone in and out of being in this isolation mode. And yeah. so like, I just walk in my neighborhood and I was telling my husband yesterday, like I am so sick of this walk. Like, yeah. so it's hard to see it with fresh eyes. I think that's part of the challenge of creativity this year. Definitely. Yeah, we're really put in this box kind of that we'll have to try to be creative within or just let it go for this year. Yeah. So I guess I'm doing a combination of that, like kind of, I'm not forcing myself with the photography because I'm really not, haven't been feeling it though. I can feel it now, like for the first time, like this month kind of starting to come back a little bit. I, Mm -hmm. I went on a walk and I took a few photos and I thought, oh, I might like to shoot, make something and shoot it for the journal, which is a feeling that I haven't had at all. So it's nice to feel that kind of like, just a little bit like poking its head out. Yeah, yeah, like something growing back. That's exciting. Yeah. 
I wanted to um, ask you actually about your studies a little bit because I was reading another interview you did a while ago where you mentioned, you know, you studied um, art history and French and that you started to do a PhD, but um, you realized your heart wasn't really in academics. Mm-hmm. And this seems to be a thread that runs through a lot of interviews I've done here. And it's interesting because it parallels my own experience of getting mm-hmm. kind of disillusioned with academics, especially in the more creative world. So I'm just wondering what that experience was for you and what was the realization that you had within that? So I um, went to I went to Yale and I felt I was thrilled to get in, you know, yeah. like I, I was, I'm only the second person in my family to have like a four year college degree in my immediate yeah. family, um, after my mom. And so I got into Yale and I was very excited and like, it was very high pressure for me. And like, there was this whole thing of like, not feeling like I belonged and like trying to create my space there. And then after I graduated, so I studied French and art history, um, mm-hmm. and spent time in Paris, which was, that was where my love affair with Paris started. Mm, amazing. <laughs> And then after I graduated, I got this internship and then job at the Metropolitan Museum of Art, which again was like, like amazing. Like I get to be surrounded by this amazing art every day. But I was kind of already a little bit disillusioned because like I was naive. I thought the art world, like everybody was like really passionate about researching and studying the art. And a lot of that world is schmoozing like Mm -hmm. rich people for money. (laughs) Wow, yeah, I can imagine. But then I just saw like the milieu at the time, this was like in like very late nineties, like around the year 2000. Um, It was very privileged. It was very white. It was very people who were moneyed because the jobs, I don't know how it is now, but they didn't pay anything. So everybody who was in that milieu was like, came from money, had a spouse with money, Uh, partner with money and it just I was like oh this doesn't feel good this is not for me so Mm -hmm. I wanted to go back to Europe so I had friends in Brussels um, that I'd actually met at the Met and I went over there on a trip to visit a friend and I was like I think I'm gonna stay and I just like (laughs) that's what happens yes I was like I love it here I'm gonna like I'm gonna try so I enrolled in a master's program but I was really studying, I mean, I love to learn and I love school, but I was studying mm-hmm. kind of to stay in Brussels and have this experience. Um, and so I kept going with my PhD and it was just like, I was just invested. Like, I'm like, oh, I've got this like fancy expensive degree that I like worked really hard to get at Yale. And then um, I'm here doing this. And like, I guess this is what I'm doing now. And like, yeah. I like learning. So, and I started my PhD and I just got to this point, I was like, I had cooked this whole time. Like I've worked in mm-hmm. restaurants since I was 14. Like that was oh, my, wow. I, I had a Saturday morning job at my mom's friend's uh, cafe. And mm-hmm. then like when I was in high school, I waited tables to have extra money and then college. And then when I was living in Brussels, I worked for a catering company. So I always thought, and I loved to cook, but I was always like, well, you can't do that as a career. Like you've got this degree, like you've got this like you have to continue with like, this is respectable, you know? And then I just, once I started the PhD, it just like the pressure had kind of, you know, you've got that little voice in the back of your head, but you're like, like, whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) I started the PhD and I was like, I can't, I don't want to be a professor. And then also the tenure system is brutal. And I just, I felt like this is not a good fit for me. And so I was like, I'm like, I'm going to try like cooking professionally as my job. Um, even though it seemed crazy at the time. And then I moved back to the States to Seattle where my mom was living. And I got, I was lucky to get a job with a really talented chef, Renee Erickson. And Mm -hmm. that was kind of the start of me cooking professionally and like putting the academia aside and working in food. Amazing. You know, it's interesting because food has always been a bit of a part of my life as well, um, always parallel to my art. And I remember once a friend of mine who has followed me in dance a lot, asked me just out of the blue, so what's with the food? As if, you know, it's something so different from everything else that I do. But mm-hmm. I see food as something that's incredibly creative and is something that create, can create community and is just really something that you can have so much fun with, even in kind of an artistic way. So I'm just curious if you could talk a little bit about what that means for you. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, food is very trendy now. I feel like in the mm-hmm. last last 10 years, you have the rise of like the celebrity chef, cooking television like so the market is flooded with cookbooks and food blogs so there's that piece of it which is actually a little bit sad to me in one way I think it's great because it's food has become very accessible and people are really engaging it engaging with it in a creative way and they're excited about it and exploring and trying new recipes and I think that's great but for me food was always about connection like always always 
Um, I, as you know, like I had a food blog for six years called Millie's Kitchen, and mm-hmm. that was named after my grandma, Millie, because I really grew up at her apron strings. Like my mom was a mm-hmm. single mom and she worked a lot. And so I was, spent a lot of my time with my grandma who was retired. And she, you know, she cooked like three meals a day. And yeah. so that like cooking for me, it just became this feeling of connection, of safety, of like gathering, you know, like every Sunday we, we had a Sunday dinner, like with the family and she, and the big family Thanksgivings. So food for me always had this thread of like connection and love. And that was always the thing that I loved most. Like even when I was working in restaurants, was like actually watching the people like enjoy the food or come together over the food. Or um, I started a venture here in Seattle that I'm no longer part of called The Pantry. Um, Mm -hmm. But one of the things we did was monthly communal dinners. We had this big table that sat 24 people. And that was always the highlight of the the month for me was like just creating the food. And then just after it was being served, just being able to sit back and watch like in the candlelight and people are laughing and people are, you know, talking to people, meeting people they didn't know like two hours ago that like that energy has always been what food is about for me. And I think it's very, and food is like such a rich like canvas, canvas for creativity. Um, yeah. Especially that's really accessible to more people now with like cookbooks and people learning about like technique, culinary technique is very accessible now with online classes and cookbooks. And so I think it's absolutely part of like the creative sphere. Yeah. And it makes so much sense too, that I would be drawn to it. Um, because it, it I, I always think of art as something that also connects people and can create community. I, It's interesting you're talking about kind of the elitist world um, when you're working at museums and when you were in that world that didn't really connect with you. And I've always felt similarly in the art world that there is this kind of, some people have this mentality that art is this elite thing that only certain people can understand. Um, but I've never subscribed to that and I've never enjoyed that view of art. I definitely see it as something that should connect people emotionally or in some way. And I think food can do the same thing. So I love hearing you describe that. Yeah, totally. And I think that I think from my experiences that I have had with the art world, it does have a tendency towards elitism in many Mm -hmm. spheres. But like, I mean, I think the purpose of art, whatever school you come from, is to make people feel something. Yeah. Um, Like at the most basic level, whether it's like a feeling of being transported or awe or you know, sadness, or even like sometimes repulsion, but I think some the, the goal of art mm-hmm. is to make you feel so I, I don't know, I think that like food and any art form are are, are similar in that way. Absolutely. You used to lead <laughs> I don't know if you still I mean, with COVID, of course, no one's traveling, but you used to lead um, creative retreats in different countries. Um, what was kind of what did you want to bring to people with those? Oh, those were I am missing those so I'm much. Sure. <laughs> Um, so I started doing that. I, I had had this in this, like for a decade, I had in the back of my mind, like, I want to take people to Paris and like show them, like, just lead people around to my favorite spots. And like, so they started as culinary tours to Paris. Like I led one, I got five people to sign up and I was like, (laughs) (laughs) let me, let me try another one. So I just kept like putting them out there and people kept signing up and it was like word of mouth. Originally it was like mostly people in Seattle and then like we kind of then, you know, with social media, like more people were following and we have people like international people, people from all over the US and they started out being culinary and then they kind of morphed into um, like creativity retreats. Mm -hmm. And for me, like I love food and I love Paris, but from the very first one, it was a group of five women and they just came together in this way that was so beautiful. Like to be away from the stresses of your normal life, to be in this beautiful setting, to have somebody like taking care of, like you don't have to think about where am I gonna eat? Like, what should I see today? It like Mm -hmm. created this space for them to like laugh and connect. And they had all these deep connections. And these women are still friends today. Like they have dinner parties and, um, and they've like really rallied around one woman who was having like a difficult relationship And it was just like, to me, that was so special. It's kind of the same thing as the dinners. Like, that's what I love to see is people connecting. So that was always the energy that I was looking for. Um, Mm -hmm. Just creating this space for people to connect with themselves, connect with other people that I think is very hard to achieve in your day-to-day life. 
Mm-hmm. Um, cause you know, like there's laundry that needs to be done and kids and work and this and that. Yeah. So this space, like where you're in this like beautiful space being taken care of, like pampered, drinking wine, eating amazing food. I always saw the trips, like, like the side of people that came out was always like so lovely to me. Yeah. And so then I eventually kind of pivoted them away from food and some were like photography and creativity retreats. And this year at the start of 2020, um, as I shifted my brand away from Millie's Kitchen towards Lioness, like I really had three retreats that were, I mean, we were going to eat food and drink wine, but they were really about sisterhood and connection. Like we're going to mm-hmm. go be in Porto and we're going to go see amazing things and like meet local artisans and eat food and drink wine. But we're also going to spend time every day kind of like talking about sisterhood and self-confidence and self-care and self-love and like really create a space for that. And then they all got canceled. <laughs> I know. <laughs> This is the hard part of 2020. Well, I hope they yes. can be rescheduled for the very near future. Well, I feel I totally, as soon as like we're safe to travel, I want to do them again. But I felt so heartened that I was like, well, I'm going to try this. Like, I'm going to like get rid of the the food centered pretext, which was mm-hmm. always like the vehicle for creating that space for connection. I'm just going like, to put it out there. Like, um, yeah. this is what I want this space to be. And I put one up and it sold out in two days. And I put up another one and it Amazing. sold out. And I put up another. So I was like, it was so heartening to see that people have a desire for this kind of experience and for this kind of connection so that was very inspiring so even though they got canceled that is very heartening to me and I will definitely reschedule them when when it's safe yeah (laughs) well it I mean that segues perfectly into talking about your new platform which I wanted to get into a little bit so Lioness it's a beautiful platform and how long has it been around for now is it just in this year March March since April Okay, great. Um, Yeah, yeah, it just shows amazing articles and roundups and lots of inspiring curated things for women. And it's beautiful. Um, And I love the, the, what would you call it, motto is live fierce, I believe, or live fiercely. Um, Mm -hmm. And I'm just wondering what that means to you. Um, How would you kind of define the word fierce in that context? Yes, like fierce for me is all about like my number one hope that I have for the women in our community and women in general. First of all, it's a space dedicated to women because I was noticing like a lot of women, first of all, we have the Me Too movement and that really Mm -hmm. kind of like shook me to like see the extent of like this disgusting behavior and the victimization and abuse of women. And then um, just the general like political climate. And I felt like we need like a space for connection and sisterhood and I saw I see a lot of women like in my friend circle or I hear a lot of stories of women are feeling like well like not giving themselves permission to take care of themselves or like well I've always had this dream of like I kind of wanted to write a book or start a blog or do something but like mm, I don't know I don't think I have the talent and I wanted to be like fuck yes you have the talent like you should do it <laughs> yes <laughs> um so live fierce to me just means like feeling yourself, having the confidence to go after your dreams, like whether they're big or small, not everybody needs to like write a book or start a business or whatever. Maybe you just want to like live your life differently or leave that relationship or find like show up differently in your job or leave your job or it could be anything, but it's about like having the confidence to be your full self, like giving yourself permission to go out there and do whatever it is you want to do. Um, feeling supported by other women instead of competing with other women, which is what like societal forces often lead us to do. So that's what living fierce is all about for me. Perfect. I I feel like there's so many sites that try to emulate that, but often it's done. I mean, the big ones are often done in such a commercial way that you can't always get to the core of it. So I love what you've created because it's really seems very community led. Yeah, that is really my hope. So I spent a lot, I've taken it back. So, you know, at Millie's Kitchen, I created all the content, shot, wrote it, cooked it, shot it, everything, um, promoted it. And here I've really kind of tried to step into like an editor and promoter role and like mm-hmm. reaching out to other women who are doing cool stuff to give them a platform just to be like, here, share with the world, like this cool thing that you're doing um, or your opinion. Like I'm not a mom, but my friend Michaela writes this piece called Motherhood Evolving, which I think is great. Like talking about the what it's like to be a mom today which I think it's really important for mothers to feel supported because there's so much pressure about the right way to be a mom um so yeah for me it's about really create community is the most important thing like getting this multiplicity of voices highlighting women from all different walks of life different um backgrounds like 
amplifying their voices, like sharing them with the world, but also like creating space. And hopefully this will happen more when we can do retreats again yeah. for women to, to actually connect and like make new friendships and new um, like people they can collaborate with in terms of business. And so, yeah, yeah that's the that's the main focus. Amazing. I have so many things I want to ask you. I'm like thinking of all the different directions I could go right now. Um, but often in this podcast, I feel like I end up talking about these very intangible kind of airy fairy notions of art, which can get really interesting. But actually, I really wanted to talk to you about kind of more of the grounded practical sides of art and creativity. And one of those that we can't escape today is social media and the way and this all ties into community and what you're doing and I just I really wanted to talk to you about this because I think you use it so gracefully and I know the word authentic has kind of been beaten to death but authentically um and I just wanted to kind of get some I don't know more practical advice on just kind of your general view on social media these days and how it's being used and so talking about community like we were before, how do you think that it is possible to kind of create a real community on Instagram or on social media in general? And how do you attempt to do that? That's, well, first of all, thank you for saying that. That means a lot to me because okay. social media is a huge struggle for me. I am a, mm. I am an introvert, even though I don't read as one. Like yeah. if people, for people who are into Myers-Briggs, I am an INFJ. So I'm a very social introvert. Like I love people and I care yeah. about people, but also I really need time to myself and I also yeah. really value like authentic connection so mm -hmm. a lot of what is happening on social media is so draining to me um yeah so is it possible to build a community I think absolutely um it is possible I think it takes some work and some intention um but I have made so 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 many amazing connections through social media like people who I really resonate with like you or mm -hmm. I could like the list is so long I won't name everybody but different like <laughs> artists and cooks and like yeah I could probably name 20 people who I consider like genuine friends who I've met through social media who I've then collaborated with professionally or gone on to meet like one of my my good friends in Portugal Matilde she's a super um, talented photographer and she just reached out to me on social media one time when I was in Lisbon and she's like do you want to have brunch and I was like okay like I just say I yes that. to stuff like I just say yes to stuff like that because I'm like oh okay like let's absolutely meet in real life and like I do think it's 100% possible I think it takes time and I think it takes also like a willingness to reach out to people in more than just like more than just commenting on posts or stories like mm -hmm. really trying to create a connection or if there's somebody that i really whose work i really admire like I, I like let them know and i try to write something a little bit more personal yeah and then that relationship can grow from there and if there's any possibility of meeting up with someone in person like i always try to do that yeah and i think and I think also like beyond those like friendships and like the, the number of people I've been able to meet in person or form more close friendships with, I think just for having a community for your brand or your business or your art, it really like authenticity has been beaten to death, but it, mm. it, it is the key, yeah. um, I think, to creating community, not necessarily to getting followers. Like there's a lot of things you can do to get followers and it's hard not to conflate followers with like community that's been a real challenge for me because right. sometimes some of the most real stuff that I post or we post from Lioness it doesn't get the most engagement but I've really come to realize that like even though it's just like that's the nature of human nature like you want to see the heart points you want to see the likes you want to feel like oh people like yeah. me you know <laughs> they yeah, like what exactly. we're doing <laughs> it's like so I have to remind myself that is just human nature like this idea to belong and to be mm to feel like part of this community, to feel like people like you is human nature. Like that comes, I think, from our like primal existence where being part of the group was really like a life or death, you mm -hmm. know, like exclusion yeah. was really like death, like lack of resources, lack of, and I think that we carry that with us today, still this like desire and need to be part of the group. So yeah. I try to remind myself that that's a totally legitimate, like human need and desire. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, you don't need that to have a thriving business. Like my retreats, some of my retreats haven't sold out. I had to cancel a couple, but over the last six years, I think I've led like 18 um, wow. with like a following, like my our following right now is 12,000, which by Instagram standards is very small. And even less than sure. that when it was like five and 6,000, I was still able to sell my product because the right people were in my community. So I think it's always important yeah. to remember that you don't need to have 100,000, 200,000, half a million followers or whatever. You need to have the right followers. 
You need to have people who really resonate with your message. And to have those people, you have to put out your message in a way that like has personality and conviction. Like um, one of the business mentors I follow wrote about like make 50% of the people like hate you. Like, and that's maybe a little (laughs) bit strong, but like this year, like in past when I was running Millie's Kitchen, I wasn't, I was like tiptoeing around political stuff. Yeah. And like this year, I mean, it was egregious, like to not be political was political, oh, yeah. Yeah, but like, for sure. I, I put it all out there and I'm, and I think that that serves like our community and the brand and engagement and running a business more than, than not. So like, I try to show up as my full self. And I think that's part of the key to having a true community and not just followers. Yeah, that was a very long answer. <laughs> no, that's great. I mean, you answered like three more of my questions within that. It's amazing. Um, I like that you use the word conviction. I feel like that's maybe almost can be used in the place of authenticity for what you're putting mm. out there. I think that's something really important to keep in mind when you're sharing anything, whether anything you've created with the world is to have that conviction in it. Um, I It's interesting. I just find it so challenging sometimes I think as an artist and when you're creating things and like you said sometimes when you put your whole heart into something and you expect it to have this big kind of response in the social media world and it's it's so brutal and it's you know I've had to struggle with that as a dancer because it's literally my body that I'm putting out there in movement Um, and having to just kind of detach from that has been really difficult Um, but yeah, it's, I don't know if I have a question attached to that, just adding on to what you were saying. <laughs> no, I, I really feel what you're saying. And it's like a challenge. And I was actually just talking with, um, so I'm in this uh, female empowerment group run by this wonderful woman, Anne Nguyen. Mm-hmm. And um, we were just, I was talking about yesterday about I have this struggle with social media and with my business in general, where I feel like I have these cycles of like, if my energy is good, I'm able to, to like really create content where I'm like, I have something to say, I'm saying with conviction, like I have a viewpoint, I want to inspire people or have a message or something. And then I'll sometimes put myself out there with something that's very authentic. Like recently, I put up a bunch of stories about how I've been feeling like really depressed lately. Right. And and that, and what I was doing to feel better. And the purpose of that is like, I've been hearing from enough people, I know a lot of people are feeling this way. So let me just like, put this out here, like, to help maybe people have less shame, or like some Mm -hmm. ideas for what they can do to feel better. And so I was able to do that because I'd taken this weekend to myself and like really done a lot of restoring, but then I do stuff like that and I get this vulnerability hangover of like, mm-hmm. oh shit, like I really like put myself, I've told the whole world I'm depressed, like, yeah. <laughs> like is that okay? And like, um, it's some, it, it's vulnerable, I guess, is the core of it. And I'm sure that yeah. with dancing, it's, and you talk about like, yeah, like that's your whole body and like your art form it's very vulnerable. So I, I then kind of can get a vulnerability, vulnerability hangover or yeah. um, that I'm not able to post that way for a minute. And so anyway, in my group, we were talking about how that's normal. And that was very helpful to me to stop thinking of that as like, oh, what's wrong with me that I can't always be in this mode of like extreme authenticity and like meaningfulness. And we talked right. about how there's these kind of like cycles of expansion and contraction and that the goal can maybe be just to expand a little bit further every time. And then you kind of come back to your place of safety and being less vulnerable. And then maybe you don't contract as much and then you can be a little bit more expansive. And then the idea I think is like, I don't think you ever live in this place of, I can be a hundred percent vulnerable on social media all the time. Right, yeah, or in real life. I think that's or, yeah, a hard thing to totally. achieve. Yeah. But it, it was really helpful for me to think of it in terms of like this cycle of like, oh, that's normal. Like, I'm going to put this out there. I feel good enough to do this. And then, okay, I'm going to come back to this place of safety and maybe post a giveaway. Right. <laughs> <for> people. Yeah. <laughs> that's not like about my personal feelings. And then, okay, I feel inspired to post again about how I'm feeling about Black Lives Matter. Let me put that out there. And like, okay, that was a little vulnerable. And then, so it felt a lot better to me to think of it as like, oh, that's just normal. And that can be okay to be in those cycles. Yeah, I think that makes so much sense. And it makes sense with the creative process, too, because that's something I've heard so many artists talk about as a cycle. You have these cycles of like, very intense inspiration, and you're creating a lot. And then sometimes you just have absolutely no ideas. And you're just kind of in this lull, but you have to go through that as part of the process as well. And it's not easy, but it's oh my gosh, comes back around. Absolutely. Well, as somebody who's like very type A, and like perfectionistic, and like, grew up with this message that you need to always be doing and going forward and doing better. Um, 
one thing I've been really trying to embrace is like, yeah, these cycles of creativity. Like sometimes I get this burst of energy and I like write something and I reach out to somebody and I edit some images for a post and mm-hmm. um, have like, you know, brainstorm like plans for the future for my business. And then, then it goes away. And instead of getting frustrated, the thing that I've learned that really helps kind of hasten that time or even just feel okay is to like let go of the focus of like pushing forward and work and just restore, which is mm-hmm. very hard for me. Like I hate to nap. I don't even, yeah. before this year, I didn't even really like, I don't like to go to bed kind of. Like I like to like stay up, like doing stuff. Like that's just how I am. Mm-hmm. So I've really been trying to embrace like when I don't have that creative energy and I, you know how you, you can sit with a creative process or a problem that you're working on and you can like spend all day and not make much progress. Mm-hmm. But if you kind of like step away do something else, refresh your mind, take a nap, take a couple of days and like get in a different energy. And then you come back and it just like clicks. Yeah. I've had that happen enough times that I now trust the process of instead mm-hmm. of yeah. forcing it, like now if I'm getting to that kind of brink of my creativity or just ability to come up with meaningful content, I just try to step away and restore and trust. Yeah. For me, it always like brings that energy back. Yeah, that makes sense. Something you seem to talk about a lot in your brand and that ties into the whole living fiercely um, motto is uh, kind of facing your fears and learning to overcome them in creative ways. And so I'm curious if you could talk about some um, specific times in your life that you have faced fears and overcome them, maybe more in the creative realm since we're talking creative process. Yeah, so I so one, the one that comes to mind is I started, so I started taking a, a, photography because I was transitioning out of working in restaurants to running this food blog. And I was like, oh, I have these recipes, but I need to show them to people. And I don't know anything about photography. So I started taking photography workshops and then just immediately fell in love with photography. And I was like, Mm -hmm. I love this. And I kept taking classes and workshops and I wanted to grow and get better. And there's a process called a photography um, review where you, Mm -hmm. it's a place it's like they have these events around the country where you pay to take your work and have it be evaluated by X number of professionals, like professional photographers or magazine editors or whatever. And I really wanted to do this to be able to grow and to get feedback. And I was terrified. That sounds terrifying (laughs) as you're talking about it. I was like, I can't show, like, I don't, I've only been taking photographs for like five years or four years or whatever it was at the time. Like, and there's people who do this, who've been like, you know, who work as full-time photographers and who like really know what they're doing, who've been shooting for 20 years. But I just was like, I don't know, something in me was like, I want to do it. And I was terrified like pretty much the whole time. Like I went to the informational meeting just to get, I tried to, that's one thing for me. I try to prepare myself as much as possible, like have a lot of information, which Mm -hmm. is one thing that helps me feel a little safer. And then the other thing was just like, just put one foot in front of the other, like just, okay, I have all this information, like today, let me like, okay, look at, like pull out all my images and like kind of create some stories and like, what do I, what do I wanna bring these people? And let me print these images. Okay, let me print again, 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 look at these. Let me get feedback from people who are not on this panel. So mm-hmm. it was just like very like kind of chipping away at the yeah. break, you know, like the classic advice of like break it down into small doable <laughs> pieces yeah. and then kind of try to forget that at the end was this big scary photo review. And then, so I show up the day of, like, I feel like I'm going to throw up or whatever. And it was, it was so gratifying and so helpful. Like I got such beautiful feedback, like helpful feedback and also feedback that was like, oh, these are, images are great. Like, you know what you're doing. And I was like, oh, I do. (laughs) So um, I, I like to talk about one thing. I, I led a workshop, like a kind of a lip fierce workshop. Uh, Mm -hmm. a couple months ago or last month and one thing I talk about is like everybody feels afraid like everybody everybody Mm -hmm. everybody except maybe a few like psychopaths everybody else (laughs) (laughs) feels afraid and the only difference between the people who like do the thing and don't do the thing is just that like you know you're going to feel afraid and you just put one foot in front of the other anyway like and for me a lot of that comes from the idea that I feel like life is so short um, mm-hmm. like it goes so quickly. 
And I don't want to be like, I really, really have this desire not to be at the end of my life feeling like, oh, what if, or I wish I had like that. Something about that idea is so deeply sad to me that I just, that's a part of my motivation is like, I would rather try and fail. And I don't think that failure exists anyway. That's another topic, but like, Mm, um, but I would rather try and have it not go as I planned or not be like a huge success than not try. Right. So that's key for me. Yeah. And sometimes you are terrified the whole way, but it is just taking that step in the next. And Yeah. I think yeah. some people have this idea that people who like excel or do their thing or put themselves out there are not scared. And that's right. like total bullshit. Like you can read interviews with like people at the top of their field and they're still scared when they're doing something new or like exploring a new area. So I think that's just important to keep in mind. Yeah. What what did you mean by um, you don't believe there's such thing as failure? Oh, well, like, so my younger self, like was very hard on myself, like very type A, have to be the best at everything, like straight A's, excel, excel, excel. And that is an awful way to live. (laughs) And 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 it doesn't feel good. And you don't get any wins. Because as soon as you have a success, you're like, well, it could have been better or what's the next thing. Mm -hmm. So I just really had a period where I realized like, this is not good. Like, I don't need this. And like, in my background, a lot of that came out of like, my background is growing up as the only brown person in my family and in my community and just always having this acute feeling of being different. And so I was going to like cover up that difference or like feeling like not adequate by like excelling. Like as a kid, that Mm. was what I decided my path would be like, I'll just be the best at everything. And then nobody can say anything about me because you know, you're a kid and you can't even articulate these fears and these feelings. But I had this realization that, okay, this doesn't feel good. So one thing I'd say in the last five years, I've really been trying to work on is this idea of like failure failure is Mm -hmm. brilliant because it's just a path to learning. Like Mm -hmm. I tried this thing, it didn't work. And as long as you can say, instead of just like getting upset about it didn't go how I wanted or it didn't work, like what, okay, why didn't it work? Like, what can I learn from that? Was there anything about it that did work? Was there anything about it that I liked? So I think if you can really shift your mindset to thinking of failure as just information, Mm -hmm. which again is hard because we want to be part of that group. We want to look strong. We want to look like we're doing good at the things we're doing. Exactly. I think, again, that's also a natural human desire. But the more people I've talked to, you know, again, no, nobody has that. Nobody does something and everything they do, they're amazing at. Like the people at the top of their fields, and I'm sure many people you've talked to on the podcast have had yeah. failures, things that they didn't, didn't go how they wanted to or things they really wanted to get and they didn't get but that doesn't stop them from like being amazing at what they do or bringing a beautiful energy to it. Or so I've really just tried to shift my mindset to, you know, like in the startup world, they say like fail fast, fail often. Um, right. Yeah. Like in tech, like to get the information seriously, like to like, yeah. okay, try this didn't work. Okay. Let's shift course. And I try to adapt that for myself personally a little bit as well. Like, okay, like, let's try it. Like, oh, I've got an idea. Okay, let's try it. Oh, and maybe I'm surprised. Like, oh, that was a huge success. Like, that was amazing. Or like, okay, people were not feeling that. Something about that didn't come off quite how I wanted. I didn't like how that felt. Like, how, what can I take from that? Yeah. Do you think as women, we have a harder time with that? Oh, (laughs) (laughs) yes. Um, Yes, I do. I think a lot of the women that I know have these I think we're socialized to have a lot of these feelings about, especially now that we have to do it all. Like you have to be like an amazing mom and be amazing at your job and then be like super stylish, be beautiful, be sexy, be Mm -hmm. like amazing at everything that you do. And then social media has like heaped on top of that. Like you're just seeing the like curated version of so many people's lives And even if you know that on some level, just I think your subconscious brain is still absorbing all these images of like, oh, like, look at her house. Like, look how successful she is. Like, look at how much money she's making. Like, you don't know the detail. Like, I've met a lot of people who look like that on the front and then behind the stages. I'm like, oh, that was not the case at all. I was totally wrong about their life. Yeah. Um, So I do think it's harder for when we have, I think we hold ourselves to the standard of perfection. I think part of that is how we're socialized, societal norms. I honestly think a good part of it is capitalism, that like 
feeling that imperfection keeps you wanting to buy and -hmm. like whether it's like diets or fitness or clothes and don't get me wrong like I'm all about clothes I love to shop I love makeup (laughs) yeah I love all these things but I try to (laughs) (laughs) I try I do think a big part of it is capitalism keeping women or targets for this economy of feeling imperfect and as long as you feel imperfect there's always something you can buy to to get closer to being perfect, which of course, like perfect doesn't exist, right? Right, exactly. How do you kind of find that balance on social media and just in kind of the work you put out there of, because I see the work you do is quite inspirational and has this hopeful angle to it. So how do you kind of find that balance of bringing hope without sugarcoating the reality Mm -hmm. of things? I think honestly, that's just my my personality. Like I do love people, like even like, I just have good feelings about humanity in general. Um, But at the same time, I just, I'm also like cynical about people. And I try to just be, be real. Like I'm not a sugary person and I'm glad that it doesn't come off that way on social media. Cause I'm really, like I have a a foul mouth. Like I curse like a sailor sailor and like, um, (laughs) and like, if I don't like something, my husband is always saying, like, if I don't like it, I'll let you know, which is <laughs> something I appreciate that quality in people because it feels real to me. Like, I like that. So I think part of that is just my personality. But actually, as I say that, no, it takes some effort. Like, I think there is a tendency on social media to try to make everything like sunshine and rainbows because there's so much of that energy on there. Yeah. But I think as much as that comes through and I'm happy to hear that it, it does is just tapping into like, well, how do I really feel about this? Like some of the black lives matter, some of the stuff that's happened to this year, like just expressing, like, I'm angry. I'm so angry. I'm so sad. I have so much grief. So putting that message out there, which is very real to me, mm-hmm. along with the message of like, here's a woman doing something amazing. Like let's support her. Or like, if you're feeling sad, like it's okay. Like, we're all feeling sad, like you're not alone, don't blame yourself. For me, I guess it just comes to tapping into like how I really feel about things and like putting out kind of a more wholeness of, more fullness of like myself and not just the like sunny side. Yeah, yeah, I think, you know, it sounds so simple to just say that, but it's, and this is talking in terms of social media, in terms of the art world, in terms of everything, but I feel like there's this kind of lack of nuance in these conversations, and it's either you're really cynical and focusing mm. on the suffering, or you're talk, you're promoting toxic positivity. Mm. That's become Ooh, such to- a, yeah, that's such, become such yes. a thing that's talked about on social media, and of course it's, it's a valid thing that happens, but there's, I don't think there's as much space in between for the people that are trying to hold both if that makes sense yeah I think yeah I'm glad that you said that I think that that is absolutely true and I'm glad you brought up toxic toxic positivity because I think it's so real it doesn't leave space for people who like well what if I am sad what if I am angry like what if I don't feel every day like rise and grind like don't get me started on that culture like I hate it so much but like (laughs) girl boss hustle culture yes yeah don't don't get me started but like what what if I like is that okay like can I say that or like so I do think it's important for but I also get why it's hard to I guess that's the difference like that kind of harkens back to what we were talking about a minute ago I think like when you kind of put that authentic full perspective out you're less niched which is like the advice for like if you Mm -hmm. want to be viral or create a huge following like people know they're going to go to this account and they're going to get this content every day and we don't do that it's it's pretty diverse and sometimes I wonder like like, is that a good way to grow for growing our community? But I'm just having faith that, like, showing up in authenticity and realness is going to get us where we want to go. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's important to have that why, you know, at the core of everything and just keep kind of questioning yourself until you always get back to it. Yes, I love that. Yeah, <laughs> thanks. Do Besides kind of the authenticity and realness, do you feel like you have kind of a, a why at the core of your work? And, and that could be all of your work kind of encompassed. Well, I just kind of had like a micro thought. So that's probably the truth of it. It's like, cool. I have always, I just feel very connected to this idea of there's a lot, there's so much beauty in the world. Like there's a lot of suffering and we can really feel it this year. I can feel it this year more than I ever have in my entire life, honestly, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of naive because there's always been suffering, suffering like homelessness and immigrants and 
police brutality and whatever, but we can really feel it this year. So, but at the same time, like there, I felt since I was a little kid that there's so much beauty in the world, Mm -hmm. in dance, in art, in food, in connection, in nature. Um, And I guess like my very, very core mission, like kind of my personal, I've never really talked about this before, but like Mm -hmm. in the very like heart of myself, it's like to connect with that personally and to help other people do that too. Even if it's just like the beauty of like feeling like your full self, like that's beautiful also, or like helping you engage. I think creativity is very important. Like that's one of our values is that even if you're not a creative per se, everybody has a creative spark inside them like everybody right absolutely like that's that's part of the human impulse i believe that's part of being alive so even if you're not like a full-time creative um you have that spark inside of you and connecting with that i think is very energizing like very life-giving like very i just think it's a beautiful thing so that's part of the mission is to help people connect with beauty connect with the creativity that's inside them and just lead a more beautiful life amazing that's incredible because i actually had on my list of notes to ask you about beauty um i think Mm -hmm. i was revisiting millie's kitchen um and read in your kind of about page on there that beauty was a big part of it and kind of the pursuit of beauty um how it, it's you know beauty can be such a superficial thing when you put it on the on magazines and just kind of in the surface but how would you define it within this context oh i guess beauty is just that thing that like essence that touches you mm-hmm. like i love dance um which is which is part of why i loved following you but i <laughs> love contemporary dance. i always have mm-hmm. and that is something to me like i go see that and it just you you feel it, it like moves you and like I'm not a dancer but there's something in that art form that you it's like mesmerizing it touches you it connects you to your higher self mm-hmm. and like I'm, I'm not really a religious person like but if you are maybe it touches you to the divine it like puts you in contact with the divine like some people view it like that some people put it view it. I don't think it really matters what perspective you put it in but like for me mm-hmm. beauty is that element that really like touches your soul Like sometimes I'm out walking in nature and you're just in the right space where you can, like you see like the flowers or there's like rain on the leaves or whatever it is. And like for a moment, like you can really tune into like, you're not thinking about your bills or your social media account or what you said to somebody yesterday. And you can just be really present and you, you feel moved by that. Like nature is a miracle. Like this is amazing. This is gorgeous. So for me, beauty is that, is that element in art forms and creativity in nature that like touches your soul and you kind of know it when you feel it. <laughs> yeah, that's beautiful. It's beautiful. Um, yeah, I think divine is one of those words we need to bring more into the discourse of daily life um, because it is so attached to religion that if you don't have a specific religious don- denomination, you might feel kind of disconnected from it. But I do think it's such a huge part of recognizing beauties, recognizing the divine and the daily things around you. Yes, I think also recognizing the divine like in yourself. I think mm-hmm. that's very important for women. And you're right that if you don't have a, if like religion, organized religion doesn't resonate with you, that word can maybe feel a little bit loaded. But I don't know, I do feel like there's a divine force. And I think you can feel it through art and you can feel it through nature. And then it's important. And then for me, it's like uplifting to realize that you're part of that. Like you're yeah. creating art, you're engaging with art, you're part of nature. So you also are divine. Um, yeah because there's so many messages telling us what's wrong with us. (laughs) True. (laughs) So that's like a good counterpoint to realize that you are part of this divine beauty. And now I'm getting like really out there. I don't usually talk like this, but I do believe these things. Like that you are I seem to bring this out in people. (laughs) (laughs) That like divine beauty of the universe. You're 100% a piece of that like fabric. And that is really amazing, I think. Beautiful. What do you, what is being an artist to you? And do you identify with it? Oh, I do not identify as an artist. Um, my husband will probably get on me about this. Like I had a long time, a hard time for a long time, even saying that I was a photographer, like when I was shooting like all the time and like getting paid to shoot. Um, that is something that's kind of sad is for me I realized like there was a sense of like well you you can't call yourself a thing unless you're getting paid to do it and I've since Mm -hmm. like dismantled that because I think that's ridiculous um I think it's very common though I've heard a lot of people express that yes 
that's a good question. Like what is an artist? I don't know. I have to think about it. I feel like for me, like the first thing that comes to mind is an artist is somebody who's more like devoted to their craft, whatever it is. And I feel like I'm very, I've always been very interdisciplinary and very, I like to be behind the scenes, like uplifting other people. Mm. And while I do have like a lot of creativity within me, I like to create, I love to write, I love photography, I love to cook. And those are creative pursuits. Um, I always like my interests are always so wide and what I, the core of what I love is like uplifting other people. So mm-hmm. no, it doesn't feel like I'm an artist to me, but I, I feel like that's okay. Yeah. Yeah, that is okay. And that's what I think is so interesting about these terms that we give ourselves is everyone defines it in such a different way. And I've heard some people, when I, I ask this question of a lot of people, cause I'm always curious about it. Um, And some people have said, you know, being an artist is more of a spirit. It's if you do see the world in a certain way and through a certain perspective, maybe through this kind of divine perspective we've been talking about. But for some people, when they suddenly put that label of artist onto themselves, it has such a different connotation that it maybe limits you in certain ways. Um, So it's just, it's interesting to hear about. No, it's a, it's a super good question. I hadn't thought about it before. And I, I do feel like I live my life like with artistry. Like, and it's interesting, like there's, for me, there's like a subtle difference. Like, I feel like I approach many things that I do with artistry. So I don't know why I don't feel like an artist. I'll have to think about it. (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm curious about that. It's really interesting. Well, I always like to ask a couple of things kind of as we start to wrap up. And one of those is, uh, do you have any daily rituals that help enhance your creative life? Mm, I'm glad you asked me that. I have a lot of thought, like feelings about rituals. You know, like the daily yeah. ritual has become this kind of like cult thing. And of Absolutely. course, that always that always irritates me. Like whenever people start to say like X is the thing, like I never like that energy. Like nothing is the thing for everybody. I know. Um, so, but I've read a lot about like the rituals of artists and it seems like something that tends to help a lot of artistic personalities. But then I think like how many artistic personalities are are there out there who don't do any of those things and just nobody wrote, wrote a book about those people. Right. <laughs> yeah, so, so, true. So, I ha- so I have ambivalent feelings about like morning rituals, but I do kind of like inadvertently like have one. Mm-hmm. Like I kind of thought for a while about like trying to create one and that just didn't work for me. That felt like forcing mm-hmm. it, but one just kind of fell into place. So I try not to set an alarm, which is a great luxury that I have. This is the year that I'm really embracing sleep. And part Mm -hmm. of that for me is like, I stay up as late as I want to until I'm like genuinely tired. And then I'm lucky that because I work from home, I don't have to have a set schedule. So most Mm -hmm. days I just wake up when I wake up. It's usually not very early. It's like usually between nine and 10. And then I wander out to my kitchen table. I make myself a cup of coffee. And I, in the wintertime, I sit in front of my lovely, um, happy light because I live in Seattle (laughs) for 30 30 minutes. Yeah. To get like extra light in my eyes. And then while I'm just sitting there, I, um, do a few things. So I write my like daily kind of intentions. I have a two part, like to-do list. I hate the idea of a to-do list because it feels for me, it feels like pressure. So mm-hmm. I write down first, like, how do I want to feel today? Kind of like oh, what that. energy? And then I write, what do I want to do today? Mm-hmm. And then for me, that's a big perspective shift because like sometimes it's work, but like, I always like to connect to the idea that I want to be doing this for some reason. Like, even if it's like paying bills or doing something like my accounting, that's not fun. Like, okay, I want to do this today because I want to carry this business forward. And so I always try to make it like a choice. And then I also do a thing. Um, there's a woman on Instagram called the holistic psychologist. I don't know if you follow her. I don't she has, actually. Like, she, has, she has so many followers and she's great. And she okay, puts out just kind of daily motivational messages. Um, but she has a tool when you sign up for her list called the future self journal that I have found incredibly helpful and takes five minutes and kind of each month I set an intention for the month of what I'm working on you set your intention for the month and then every morning you kind of are like okay what's my affirmation for today what am I going to do to make that happen like what are some things I'm grateful for Mm -hmm. and gratitude is another concept that gets that's really like played out but the thing is it really works (laughs) it does I know this is the tricky thing yeah so like I I like that built into that routine is like saying what I'm grateful for and then like my future self will experience more x like joy right now it's like joy travel freedom mm, <laughs> um, yeah I know <laughs> whatever 
So that kind of gets me in a good mind space um, to start my day. So that's how I start yeah. every day. And then coffee, if I didn't say coffee, lots of coffee. Yes, same. <laughs> <laughs> I actually, I had forgotten. I wanted to ask you if you have any kind of practical advice for working from home as a creative in any sort of way? I mean, it's something that gets talked about a lot, but I'd love to hear your perspective. I do actually. And I don't know if this will work for everyone. I don't, I don't know if it's just my personality type. I know some people really benefit from like the structure. So Mm -hmm. I think first, my first piece of advice is kind of like know yourself and what you need, like look, really try to look at what you need. And then also don't try to force yourself into what's not you like I was trying to force myself into that like structure like every day I'm going to work four hours a day from this to this and like that does not work for me at all like at all at all and it kind of took some trial and error to figure out that that doesn't work so I have this little bit of structure in the beginning and then to kind of like I think setting your intention for the day can be very important and then I really try to work to my energy so like if I have the energy I keep going and like again I'm like like I don't have kids so I can do that and my, you know, my husband is very flexible. He work, he's working from home now too. But like, yeah. so like if I had, like last night I worked until like 10 and I, I try not to do that all the time. Like I definitely don't believe in workaholism. I think that that to work all the time is not to produce high quality work in most cases. Mm-hmm. So I try to work with my energy. And then when I don't have it, like I'll maybe like push into it a little bit. I'm like, I, I don't have this today. So unless I have a deadline or some reason that I really need to go through, I, I stop and I do things to restore. I try to, um, I post about this on Instagram. I try to take a mental health walk every day. Um, I, I think physical movement for me is very important and also getting outside. Like in Seattle, we think about this a lot. Light is so important, but I, I read this year about how like, you know, I have all the windows open. I thought I was getting a lot of light and like how you get something like a hundred times more light when you go outside, even on a super overcast day and yeah. all the things that does for your brain and your circadian rhythms. I think it's very important. So I try to go outside every day. I try to move my body every day. Usually right now that's a walk. And then for me, like working to my energy and also limiting distractions as much as possible. That's the thing from working from home is that like you're doing your laundry so it suddenly becomes like super interesting or right. um, <laughs> so I tried like I'm a neat person and I get distracted like I can't work very well in a messy space so I also usually spend like 15 minutes every morning just straightening up so that mm. that is not like in the back of my mind. Yeah yeah that's great advice. I think it's you know, if you can follow that, it's amazing. And I think even the little things of just getting outside and moving, everyone can do that to some extent. Yes. Hopefully. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. The other thing um, I always like to know, is there anything that's currently inspiring your processes or creativity, something that maybe keeps popping up around you? I think the thing that always motivates me, like I'll have really low energy and then do something like this call and then I'm like, Whoa, like, I feel great. Yes, like, go, it, just, yeah. it gives me so much energy just to connect with other people. Like, that's kind of what's maintaining my creative energy right now. It's like, I also do this series of author talks. Mm-hmm. I've been doing with a local bookstore here in Seattle. And I'll be like, oh, I don't want to do this. Oh. And then I show up and do the call. And I'm like, that was amazing. That was the best thing I did all week. This woman is so cool. Like, And then I want to yeah. talk about it on social media. I want to talk about it to everyone I know. And it just gives me this boost of energy. So right now, what's really maintaining me is connecting with other people in whatever form I can manage, honestly. Yeah. Yeah, that's so important. Even if it has to be virtual, I think we have to maintain that. Well, and also often I don't want to do it. I'm like, I just want to be here in my pajamas. Like, come on, man. Like, I got to get on this Zoom call. But then every time time I do, I'm like, oh, that was so great. So that's why I keep trying to, like, keep my schedule full of stuff like that to keep my, like, energy up. And then also just seeing what other people are doing is a huge source of inspiration, whether that's just following people on social media who are doing really cool stuff um, or even if it's a totally different field, like you, like just Mm -hmm. like seeing your creative energy and your process and even, and your struggles, like all of that, it's very, it makes me feel like if I'm struggling, it makes me feel like more okay about that. And then like to see that you're doing something cool, it just, it inspires me. It always makes me feel like, oh, just the energy. Yeah. I just love that energy from other people. So like connecting with people on zoom calls, but also just 
following people who are doing cool stuff. Yeah, that's lovely. I relate to that so much. I think you mentioned your INFJ. I'm INFP, Mm -hmm. which is very similar. So it's that introverted thing of not wanting to do it. But then once you do it, you're so happy. So I relate. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. Yeah. Well, this has been an amazing conversation. Thank you for all of this. Before we go, um, where can people find you? I'm online at We Are Lioness, which is we, W-E-R-A-R-E, Lioness, L-I-O-N-E-S-S-E, and the same on Instagram, uh, We Are Lioness. Yes. Perfect. Okay, we'll put those in the show notes. It'll be easy to find. Thank you. (laughs) Lovely. Thank you. This has been amazing. Thanks, Ruby. Have a beautiful day. You too. For links to connect with Olaya and see more of her work, head over to the show notes at rubyjosephine.com slash podcast. You can also follow this podcast on Instagram or Facebook at Process Peace and get these episodes delivered directly to your inbox, along with a whole lot of extra inspiration by subscribing to my Sunday newsletter via rubyjosephine.com slash subscribe. If you've been enjoying Process Peace, I would so appreciate you choosing to support this podcast in any or all of three ways. One, leave a rating and review on iTunes. Two, share your favorite episode with a friend or on social media. Three, make a contribution or become a sustaining member at buymeacoffee.com slash rubyjoe. A huge thanks again to Alaya for this lovely conversation. Thank you to Cooper Lee Smith for creating the original music for this podcast. And a special thanks to you for listening. <laughs>